Walter Bauer, Matthew Nebraska, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio making his weekly Monday appearance on a Tuesday. It's a weekly Monday appearance, except he's made it. In this case, on a Tuesday, he's the managing editor of Fangraphs.com, Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron is the guest on this edition of the program, as he does every week. Dave Cameron endeavors here to analyze all baseball of particular note this week. On Tuesday, Commissioner Rob Manfred announced the punishment for the Atlanta Braves for their part in circumventing the rules of the international bonus pools. What Dave Cameron does here is not only to elaborate on the infractions, uh, but also to examine the nature of the punishment for the Atlanta Braves. What else he does is to discuss the implications of that punishment for the Atlanta franchise, uh, not only how it will affect the team in the near future, 2018, for example, but also how limits on their spending in the international market in the future might hamstring the club in the future. Cameron also investigates to what degree that punishment might deter other clubs from attempting to circumvent a system that prevents clubs from providing bonuses to international players that are anything like commensurate with the actual value of those players. In particular, Cameron believes that this punishment and its severity might have some relationship with the forthcoming arrival of Shohei Itani to Major League Baseball. These very serious matters and what's to follow. Also in this edition of the program, I suggest to Cameron that I might introduce a greater avant-garde element to the podcast. Say his reaction to that is not one of total enthusiasm. Yeah, good luck with that. All of that uh, and what's to follow. First, it is both my obligation and my pleasure to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist for a reasonable sum. Readers of Fangraphs.com could support the excellent work that appears at that site. And for a slightly less reasonable sum, those same readers can acquire what's known as an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, not only facilitating faster loading speeds, but also liberating one from the tyranny and the distortive effects of advertising. Fangraphs membership and ad-free membership available, of course, at Fangraphs.com by then clicking around a little bit once you're there. Okay, that is the end almost entirely of the introduction. Uh, we move now to a conversation. What is it? This Fangraphs audio. Who does the future managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron? And when does it begin? Right now. Yeah, it's rare, Cameron, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, uh, including the incompetence of this host and also his uh, lack of interest in the news. Uh, it's rare that we cover current events, although, you know, uh, we did so about, I don't know when it was now, maybe two months ago, uh, sh- very shortly after, after John Coppola, Coppola had been dismissed. I guess he was dismissed, isn't that right? Yeah, he was fired. He was fired. Now he's been fired in as hard as you can be, really, from a He's job. Been banned. He's been banned from baseball. Yeah, that's right. And uh, which he, he, I don't know. He's now hanging out with Pete Rose. Right. Um, One of those two, probably more likely to hawk an autograph in Vegas at a like you know casino. Okay, so we'll, we'll explain all of the reasons. But this, this of course, um, is a result of the uh, nefarious activity uh, that was occurring. Uh, within the Braves, uh, I guess I, I say within their front office, although that might be mischaracterizing it, given at least given what we know about the punishments. But um, at the center of it is John Coppola, who, as we say, has been banned from the game. Um, and what, 12 players, 12 or 13 players' contracts 
12, players 12 who players, were yeah. have been si- uh, who were signed uh, by by Atlanta. I guess from b- between 2015 and 2017, their contracts have been have been dissolved. Correct. They Major League Baseball has made them all free agents in order to not allow the um, Braves to kind of enjoy the fruit of the poison tree. So they're saying, like, because you did all these package deals that allowed you to sign all these players to begin with, you don't get to keep any of them. Right. Okay. So I literally, minutes ago, I edited a post written by lead prospect analyst Eric Longenhagen concerning the punishment. And the punishment um, obviously has some interest uh, for the uh, the, val- the value of intrigue, perhaps, and yeah. also uh, perhaps uh, uh, rep- the deterrent uh, it will represent for other clubs from, I would say, pursuing these sorts of activities, but it might also be more accurate to say continuing uh, these sorts of activities. But can we get to the actual – because I don't think it was ever clear what the precise um, – uh, what the precise infraction was. So could, can you give me a sense of what we know of the infraction and perhaps it's just a question of reverse engineering it from the punishments? Well, so Major League Baseball actually laid it out in detail in their statement. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rob Manfred signed a statement. I don't know, assuming he didn't write the entire thing, but his name is on it. It's from the Office of the Commissioner. Um, I'll, I'll probably just read part of this because that'll be easier. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you need to do. So the investigation established that the Braves circumvented international signing rules from 2015 through 2017. During the 2015-16 international signing period, the Braves signed five players subject to the club's signing bonus pool to contracts containing signing bonuses lower than the bonuses the club had agreed to provide to the players. The club provided the additional bonus money to these players by inflating the signing bonus of another player who was exempt from their signing pool because he qualified as a foreign professional under MLB rules. In other words, he was older than 22, uh, so he wasn't subject to the caps. So they just basically signed an old, old international prospect for more money, and then that guy gave it to these other five guys. Consistent with the rules, the Braves could have signed all of the 2015-16 players for the full actual signing bonus amounts. Had the club signed the five players to contracts containing their actual bonuses, the Braves would have exceeded their signing bonus pool by more than 5% and would have been, under MLB rules, restricted from signing any players for the next two signing periods for contracts with bonuses of greater than $300,000. As a result of the circumvention, the Braves were able to sign nine high-value players during the 2016-17 signing period who would have been unavailable to them had the club accurately accounted for its signings during the previous period. And then it names those players, and it says we're, they're all free agents now. Okay. Um, and so so I guess – so what happened was basically – now, you mentioned that they were they were foreign professionals, which is the um, – the well, There's official. a foreign professional, which is the term that excludes you from the signing bonus pools. Right. And, of course, it should be noted this is by, that's by the previous CBA, right? Um, and now foreign, the foreign professionals are slightly older now, aren't they? So previously the rule was 23, now it's 25, which is why the Shohei Otani problem is still a problem. So, um, right. But yeah, previously any prospect uh, older than 22, so 23 or older, uh, was not subject to these signing bonus rules. Okay. <clears throat> so the Braves were like, hey, we're going to give it to this other guy who's older. Yeah. Now, uh, of course, whenever we get to July 2nd, uh, people like Eric Longenhagen uh, will, um, you know, prov- will share scouting reports, you know, to the extent that they can of the players who are are signing that day. And people like Eric Longenhagen um, ha- have a ha- suspiciously know precisely to what team those players are going. Yeah, uh, uh, I think now so. I'm not saying it's suspicious that Eric knows, <laughs> yeah. but it's suspicious that that information exists. 
already. Yeah, I, so I think your formal people, Brent, Ben Badler, got like 32 of 34 correct last year mm-hmm. or something like that. There were like a couple changes or something. Uh, my favorite part of this entire thing is at some point uh, last year before July 2nd, there were um, sportsbooks, online sportsbooks, taking bets on which team would sign the top international prospect when everybody knew who was going to sign it. Like, this was, like, the most sure 401k investment of all time. If you could have gathered, like, a hedge fund and been like, we know that we're going to go bankrupt the sportsbook. Like, Ben Bather and Eric Longenhagen could have set themselves up for life had they just gone to that sportsbook and been like, here's $20 million. That guy signed in with the Blue Jays. Yeah, but they were, they're they both upstanding citizens. They would they would never get they, involved they in did, something They didn't do that, so therefore they still work for online. They still, yeah, they're still online. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Still have to work. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, it's clear that everyone knows in advance these deals are prearranged. Every team does prearranged deals. It's something Major League Baseball knows. It's standard practice. And, and there was really no statement in the, uh, or no comments in the statement from Rob Manfred saying that was part of the problem. They really came down on them for the package deals that circumvented the bonus rules. Right. So here's the, here's the question. Um, when we come up across it's these July second dates, that's the that's the date essentially when the international signing, uh, international the signing of international amateurs. That's when the calendar flips over, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can and teams can sign sixteen year olds. Um, <clears throat> but that's what I, that's precisely what I mean. Teams can sign sixteen year olds. How frequent is it? I know that I feel like maybe like, uh, um, um. I should I should remember his name because he's one of my favorite players. Uh, Diaz, Diaz, the third baseman from uh, from Cleveland. Um, Yandy Diaz. Yeah, Yandy Diaz. Right. Yeah, Yandy, Yandy Diaz. is a very difficult name to remember. It's uh, so yeah, common. Yeah. yeah. So so Yandy Diaz, uh, I feel like was one of them. Maybe Gregory Polanco was not. These are like examples of players who were not signed right at age sixteen. Yeah. Um, but frequently. The international players are signed at 16. Is it would it, is it weird to have players signed at age 22? I mean, would that have been any any cause for suspicion uh, within the league? Uh, so generally, the players who have signed when they're older are Cuban defectees uh, right. or players leaving Japan. So they're like usually under um, they're from countries where those players weren't available at 16, essentially. So right. you had obviously a lot of Cubans who come over when they're older. Uh, and the, I mean, I could have looked through the Braves signing history in 2015 and tried to figure out who this foreign professional is, uh, but I didn't do that. And so I don't know. No, I know. Uh, well, there's a lot of due diligence to perform in the, whatever, like the hours. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I was writing about, uh, free agent landmines. I was not researching international signings of the Braves from three no, years I ago. Yeah, I guess, I guess my only question is if it if it is revealed because obviously a bunch of these uh, a bunch of these players were not from Cuba, right? Yeah, right. So ju- I, I suppose uh, the just the logistics of the the bonus sharing that would have occurred on the player side. I assume that yeah. it, there's some agreement if whether they have all different trainers or the same trainer. There has to be some sort of agreement yeah. beforehand. Right. So I mean, there's not a lot of like mid twenties. Venezuelan signings or Dominican signings, right? So like if the you know. One of the things that I've heard is why the Braves are getting hit this hard when a lot of teams do this kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's an open secret in baseball that, like, the Red Sox got caught doing this a couple of years ago and they got penalized. This is not just an Atlanta thing or just a Boston thing. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this goes on. Um, but the Braves flaunted the rules. Like, they didn't even attempt to disguise it. So, 
Um, it's possible that, like, they just turned in their list of international signings and, like, the foreign professional was, you know, uh, a 39-year-old with a broken arm and they gave him $2 million or something. Like, you know, uh, where most teams at least try and um, – Create they have some the decency to plausible deniability, or they're like, "Well, we, you maybe you don't think that guy's very good, but we really like his bat speed or something." Um, it sounds like the Braves were just like, "Yeah, we don't care." Okay, all right. So, so that was part of it, and now, um, and this occurred in multiple years. Uh, is that the idea? So or, or the, 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 the primary the primary right. infraction happened in the 2015-16, and that because they weren't under the penalty, then they were allowed to sign players the next year that they wouldn't have been previously allowed to sign. So that's where nine players were uh, had their contracts voided because the Braves couldn't have afforded any of them if they hadn't cheated the previous year. Um, and then it said, uh, the investigation also determined that the Braves agreed to sign six players to inflated signing bonuses pursuant to an agreement with a future prospect, Robert Poisson. Poisson? Poisson? However you say his name. Yeah, Poisson. Let's say Poisson. Poisson. Yeah, like uh, in exchange for a commitment that he would sign with the club in the next upcoming signing period. So now they're banned from signing a player they haven't even signed yet, uh, but they had clearly have reached one of these predetermined agreements. And then uh, they'd offered prospect Ji Huan Bei extra contractual compensation. Um, so he his deal hadn't been approved yet, but they signed him, I think, for a million dollars not that long ago. And his deal was voided, and he's now a free agent as well. Okay. So it's not just three years ago. This was a continuing uh, trend. The Braves weren't slowing down. They weren't deterred. They were going to keep doing this. Right. And now, and now to the punishment part, um, I suppose – what what are the various elements of it, and what will what hurts the club the most? Yeah, that's a good question. So so obviously their GM got fired, their uh, international scouting director got fired, their president of baseball operations resigned. So um, you know they got Alex Anthopoulos out of the deal. So you could argue that like maybe the Braves even upgraded at GM. Like I would rather have Alex Anthopoulos running my team than John Copalella. Um, so maybe we say like that's not the end of the world, but certainly their reputation took a hit. They uh, you know, had at least a month of front office uncertainty where they didn't have a general manager and they couldn't really come up with offseason plans. So that's painful. Um, I think the reality is losing 12 prospects, many of whom they gave significant bonuses to. I think that these 12 players signed for over $20 million in total. They don't get that money back. Like, it's not like they get a refund from the players. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they lost $20 million in international spending. Um, that's a pretty significant hit. Um, you know, these prospects aren't necessarily like their top guys. They're not losing Ronald Acuna or something, but you know, they're losing the kind of depth that you could potentially trade from guys who in a couple of years could have been, you know, the kinds of guys you trade at the deadline to make it a, a significant upgrade. Um, so that hurts. And then for the next two years, they're already in the bonus penalty, uh, where they're not able to sign high end prospects. Obviously they won't be doing package deals because the Braves will be heavily scrutinized. So if Mpopolis' staff even thought about trying to get around the rules, they would uh, get lynched probably. Uh, so I think, uh, was it 2019, 2020 and then 2020, 2021, the two years after their penalties expire, um, the first of those two years, they're limited to signing a player for no more than $10,000, which I mean, there just aren't that many prospects who signed for ten thousand dollars, so you're yeah, basically right. you're basically banned from signing prospects that year. Uh, and then the year after that, their signing period is reduced by half, so uh, they lose half their pool money. So uh, basically, for the next four years, the Braves will not be a significant player in the international market. Right, which obviously th- that the international market was 
um, very much part of their their model over the, at least over the last plan, few years. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so so right. So they will not be they they essentially are not going to be able to acquire um, anything like uh, future major league talent. Yeah. Um, uh, we should also note they also lost their third round pick next year because they apparently offered. Uh, extra contractual compensation to Drew Waters, who was their second round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the statement says that it didn't end up getting, uh, consummated. He didn't take whatever they offered, but the attempt to circumvent and lower his signing bonus cost them the third round pick next year too. So, okay. uh, not just international. Now they also lose a domestic draft pick. So, all right. So let's, so let's talk about the ramifications, not necessarily for the club, uh, but the players. Right and how and and I suppose this is not just, I mean this this obviously will affect their lives, um, but it will also, well, there's a lot going on. <laughs> but uh, Kevin Maiton, yeah, uh, was signed for what four and a quarter million uh, during the 2016 signing period. I think Eric Logan is what Eric Logan said, and also what reality would seem to suggest. Um, he was much sought after at the time. Um, Eric Longanay has included a scouting report and it would seem as though um, he that Maiton has gotten bigger more quickly than scouts would have anticipated originally and uh, there's maybe maybe the, the the overall profile is not as appealing as it was a couple years ago however um, he will be available to teams uh, there's another player uh, who signed for a million dollars a right-handed pitcher named Jeffrey del Rosario whom Longanagan characterizes as one of the most sought-after names in the list. Apparently, he can hit mid-90s as a potential plus curveball. He's also excited. That's just a couple examples of the players. How will their free agency be treated? Because as we've noted here, under the current uh, rules of the CBA, a, uh, a player, players of, 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 these, of this age, anyone under, what, 25 now? That's the, yeah, 25, yeah. Um, is... Um, they're, they have to they have to be signed according to teams international bonus bowls, but this is sort of an awkward time of year yeah. for that to be for that to be happening because most of the money's already been spent. Yeah. So the way Major League Baseball laid it out, they said they'll send the actual rules to the teams in a separate document that won't be for public to see. But what's generally understood and reported, I think, by Jeff Passan and Ben Badler, and Eric might have noted this as well, um, is that teams now have the right to sign these players either under the current bonus pool, so this 2017-18 year, uh, which would cover up through July 2nd, but most of that money's already gone, and a lot of teams who've been acquiring it lately are probably planning on using it for Shohei Otani. So like the Yankees and Rangers and a few other teams have in excess of $3 million remaining in the current bonus pool, but the expectation is that those teams will be trying to get Otani to take that money. Um, so there's not going to be a lot of money left, except for maybe like the team who doesn't get Otani. Maybe the Al- Kevin Maiton is now their backup plan. Um, but you can also use your 2018-2019 bonus pool money to sign any of these guys and just make them part of next year's class uh, ahead of the time. So like Major League Baseball will essentially not force you to wait until July 2nd to sign these guys. They'll just let you take money from next year's crop and sign them now. Uh, the problem is that, as we've talked about, all these deals are prearranged, and most teams have already spent next year's money too. And so they have deals in places with in place with guys who are currently 15 who can't sign until next July too. Um, and they would have to walk back all of those uh, agreements in order to reallocate their money to these new free agents. So if someone wanted to go sign Maiton or you know um, any of the other 11 players who were made available, they either need money now, which most teams don't have. 
uh, or they need money next year, which most teams have already verbally committed to give to another player. Doesn't mean they can't break those verbal commitments. Those verbal commitments are technically not legal anyway. Like, uh, they can't, Busco and can't call Major League Baseball and be like, this guy promised to sign my underage player, do something about this. Like, everyone knows <laughs> it goes on, but there's no, right. um, you know, it's, you're committing an illegal act, you can't call the police. Uh, so teams will have to decide, do they want to break these agreements they already have in place in order to get a prospect that they might like better or not? Uh, or do they just try and, collect as much bonus money from the remaining pools they can and hope these guys don't necessarily care about signing bonus size because they've already gotten their bonus once. Um, and maybe they just you pitch them on player development and how you're going to get them to the major leagues faster and say, look, you've already got your bonus, but we'll help you get to the big leagues and get a big contract extension at some point. Right. So, But again, it, in, we've discussed this at Greater Lakes with regard to Shohei Otani. Uh, but again, because the bonus pool amounts are so low and it would appear as though... I mean, so, you know, of course, you know, if we said that there are some clubs that still have a similar assessment of Maiton now as they did a couple of years ago when he signed for 4.25, or maybe Jeffrey Del Rosario um, has become much more appealing in, since he signed for a million dollars. If the most that any that any of these clubs has is $3 million, you're still creating another situation where teams could be offering the maximum amount and it's still creating incentives for them to... Uh, to to behave in a, in a matter that is not uh, above board. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question that, like, Major League Baseball did this for themselves, right? So, like, we can say, like, a bad job John Covalella or bad mm-hmm. job Gordon Blakely or bad job Braves, but the Major League Baseball intentionally, collectively bargained with the Players Association to set hard limits uh, on the... Um, and caps on the spending of players who are worth significantly more than the caps they set. So they basically created a um, significant incentive for teams to break these rules. And it is not surprising that teams have attempted to circumvent these rules when we're talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars at stake in these franchises. Um, and, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do in order to try and win. And so when you take a, you know, I don't know what Kevin Vuitton would have gotten two years ago as a free agent, but it wasn't $4 million. It was probably 20 or 30 or $40 million. Like when you see what Yohan Mankata got and you see, you know, what Hinjin Ryu got and you can see what like a lot of these international guys who came over who weren't subject to the bonus pools. Um, it, well, yeah, like the comp, the comp on Maiton was Chipper Jones. Yeah. Or Miguel Cabrera. Right. right. So like, obviously there's risk. Like now a lot of, Scouts don't really like him at 17. Like they liked him at 15. And you know, like the, when you're that far away from the big leagues, you you know, Mankata was 18. He was closer to the major leagues. That's one of the reasons he got what 30 million plus the tax or something. Um, so you're not necessarily going to say like a Maiton is going to get what Mankata got. But when you see kind of what teams pay for prospects, and even what you see like um, for what teams pay for like, these low level guys in trades, right? Like where you're. You know, teams are trading real major league players for 18-year-olds or 17-year-olds, and these guys are being included in trades for valuable pieces at the trade deadline. Like, clearly these guys have value far exceeding their signing bonus. So the Major League Baseball created a system that said, we're not going to let you reward the players with anything close to their market worth, and then we're just going to tell you that we're going to police this in a way that makes sure that no one is cheating. Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, it's not really all that different from, like, America's drug policy is like everyone, there's supply, there's demand. 
people are going to find out a way to meet it, whether you've got police around or not. Right, but the, the so the difference with America's drug policy, right, is that there are many drugs which, if people do them, it's um, it destroys their lives. Whereas, if these players were to get large bonuses, it would it would lift them out of poverty, <laughs> and also and like like. No one feels sorry for owners. I mean, except other, except owners. Except the other owners who are like, yeah, I right. can't believe I had to pay the sixteen-year-old four million dollars. That's outrageous. How do I right. stop that? Yeah, right. The all, the most accurate part of the analogy is that the owners are, are like are like the cartel leaders. Yeah. Um. Who? <laughs> um. The right. Okay. So, so right. So, and that's the problem. And you and I were discussing uh, before we recorded. About some, I think before it had been announced officially, what what happened precisely with someone like Maitan, right? Is if he were, if the if the league, because obviously they're faced with this weird situation, if the league had been faced, if if the league had decided that he would be available, that he, his that signing Maitan would would be subject not to the international bonus pools for players under twenty five, but that he would just be an unrestricted free agent, that that would have essentially because he would have signed probably for more than $4 million at that point, that would essentially have revealed the absurdity of the system. Yeah, it would have exposed exactly what Major Baseball is doing. Like, everyone knows, but it would have thrown a pretty... Uh, Cast uh, a bright light on Yeah, it would have been like, hey, look, look here. Look, look at this money we're taking from these guys. This actually happened in the draft 15 years ago or something like that. Like, I think was a Travis Lee was one of the first guys who was, a, um, I think, Arizona State first baseman slash pitcher... Uh, considered top ten draft prospect. I think he went number seven overall, six overall, somewhere in there. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, he made the, he played in the majors for the. Yeah, league. he had a decent major league career. He didn't right. end up living up to his prospect status, but he was a long time major leaguer. Um, so I think the team that drafted him, which I don't remember who it was, uh, failed to make him a an offer within the time that the CBA says you had to make him an offer. So Scott Boris like went to court and like proved that the team. Failed in their contractual duties, and the court made Travis Lee a free agent. And like Travis Lee was going to get like a million dollars or five hundred thousand dollars or whatever the signing bonus was for the number six pick of the draft back then. Uh, and then Travis Lee was declared a free agent, and he signed for like ten million dollars. And it was like this is what a prospect was worth back then. It was like as soon as major league teams had the chance to spend real money to sign this guy, they were throwing cash at him. Uh, and I think uh, every time we've seen. Um, you know, some situation like that where Makata or someone like that comes along where teams are like, this is worth the cost. You know, we see what the actual value to these franchises of these young players and their potential is worth because of how the system is set up. And like, so, you know, like the owners did this to themselves. Let's also not like let the players association off the hook in this. They're culpable as well. They negotiated this collectively together. And the players association has for a very long time structured their, salary uh, or structure the payment structure to Major League Baseball in a way that takes money from young players and gives it to old players. It's so, like the reason that like you're going to see like 37-year-old free agents getting $15 million a year in the next few weeks is because that money isn't spent on younger players who are worth significantly more money. Uh, but, like The money that should have gone to Kevin Maiton a couple of years ago is going to go to Pat Neshek this winter uh, because that's how the Players Association wants it. Right, and we've discussed this before too, right, where it's like um... – that isn't necessarily, and it's not bad necessarily that Pat Neshek, 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 Neshek. Neshek, I think. It's not bad that Neshek's getting that money. Nothing but, against Pat Neshek specifically. I actually like Pat Neshek. Right, but it's yeah. it's a sort of it it there's sort of like a hubris inherent to 
the way that that the rules are constructed, right? And and we've talked about this. Like athletes always tend to bet on themselves. Yeah. Um. And so when when constructing the, when constructing the um um when constructing the I guess how the rules for uh, for signing players is every player regards himself as the one who's likely to get the bigger free agent deal when that's not really the case for most players is they don't they're not the ones who end up with a big free agent deal yeah i mean i think that's, that's certainly a factor i think from the players association standpoint it's more along the lines of we can design a system in which the guys who played the longest get the most money and so therefore the guys who are the guys who played the longest also happen to be in power generally <laughs> like they're the stars who kind of dictate how things go um so essentially this is not that different from owners being like, how do we look out for our own? It's terrible that one of us has to pay $4 million to a 16-year-old. How do we stop that? But then you have, like, the 14-year veteran who's like, well, I don't want to give my money to a rookie. I would rather the other 14-year veterans have it. So I'm going to protect my own and let's set up the structures that move money from young to old. And that's basically what's happened. Right. Okay. Uh, is there – let's see. Is there an angle to this that we have failed to consider? I mean, I think the one thing that's probably maybe – not most interesting out of us, but like going forward will be how quickly teams uh, move on from their previous scouting reports, right? So if you read Eric's comments about Maiton and you look at kind of the um, per- current perceived, like, I mean, Eric literally wrote him up and said, if you saw him just as a pro and didn't know his pedigree, you would think this was a non-prospect. Uh, mm-hmm. But two years ago, this was considered Miguel Cabrera Chipper, Chipper Jones. So like how much... Um, financial value will a team put in a two-year-old scouting report? Assuming, like, you know, there might be some team who just disagrees with what everyone else said and thinks, like, no, we still, we still like our reports like him or whatever, um, for what he is now, not for what he was then. But it'll be interesting to see, like, um, one of the, one of the questions that I think public prospect analysis has not wrestled with probably to the depth that it needs to is, uh, how quickly do, should reports change? Uh, you know, like, can a guy play himself from, elite prospect to non-prospect in two years, or is that an overreaction to a small sample performance? Um, or is the lack of data at this point in time with 16-year-olds so um, prominent that any amount of new data then becomes, like the most recent data has to become the driver because there just isn't very much data to go off of. So like how teams are actually going to value a guy like Maiton who, you know, say two years ago would have gotten $20 million dollars Today, what's it going to get? You know, maybe he gets a million dollars. Maybe he gets 500000 Maybe he gets $4 million. I, Like, I really have no feel for what my Todd's going to sign for. And I think it will say an interesting thing about how quickly teams adapt their scouting reports on young players. I would imagine there's a, there's a strong correlation between youth and the, um, and the instability of, of assessments, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's more likely it's it's more likely to move up and down the younger a guy is. I yeah, mean, I mean, I think, think, of, think of an infant, an infant. <laughs> I mean, he probably is not going to make the major league any given infant. Right. Um, but you don't know. The, the, there's a wide range. Yeah, I mean, I think like talking to Eric and Kylie and other people who have you know lived in this world for a while, it seems like the what teams are scouting for at 14 and 15 because most of these agreements are made when they're 15. They don't sign until they're 16, but they like, Maiton was basically Bray's property at age 14. 
Um, you, you just like had to hang out for a while until the major league baseball went inside. But what you're basically looking for is just raw athleticism. Like these guys don't have baseball skills. They don't, you know, they're not fundamentally sound. They're not playing in leagues. They're not putting up statistics. They're not. There's no data to be had here. You're just looking at how good of an athlete they are. And in Maiton's case, it sounds like he became significantly less athletic in a hurry, which you can say, like, perhaps he just didn't take care of himself. Perhaps there's a conditioning issue. Perhaps, you know, he spent a large part of his bonus on food. Uh, you just don't know. Or it could just be, like, you know, maybe he just physically matured sooner. And, you know, the projection on him as his aging curve was not going to be the same as it was for most 14-year-olds when he was evaluated. And so um, I think if you're just going off of raw physical skills – and then those raw physical skills change rapidly. I don't think you really have a choice but to significantly update your opinion of his potential. Okay, uh, I'm going to let you go momentarily. I did. I did want to ask you one last question: um, the degree to which we've already discussed the incentives that teams have to circumvent the rules. Right? Yeah. It's pretty obvious because these players are worth. Um, well, I should say the caps are set at X, and these players are worth X plus some amount, but it's 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 usually above zero. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so teams are greatly incentivized to circumvent the rules in some fashion. As you note, um, it happens across the league, but teams tend to be a bit um, – they, they they exhibit the proper amount of shame while doing it, Yeah, it seems. Um, but there would, there would seem to be some, some kind of deterrent being um, signaled here by the league. You know, the, the, the size of the punishment would seem to – act as a deterrent. Do you think that's the case? And if so, uh, do you anticipate the team's practices changing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any coincidence that this most severe punishment, like this is so much more severe than what the Red Sox got. I mean, the cheating was more obvious, but it's the same thing. Like, they did the same thing the Red Sox did just to another level, um, but the punishment is not on the same scale at all. Uh, I don't think that there's any coincidence that this is happening as Shohei Otani is being posted. So, like, as we were recording this, um, Major League Baseball and NPB have agreed to a posting agreement that will allow Shohei Otani to come to the Major Leagues this year. Um, and as I've been writing about, and, you know, many of others have written about, uh, Shohei Otani is in the exact same situation as all of these Kevin Maitons and all these kids. His, his value is 20 times what he's going to get, or 100 times what he's going to get. Like, he's going to um, be the most maybe one of the most significant value assets in uh, in baseball the minute he signs. And there is so much financial incentive to cheat in order to get him. And I don't think that Major League Baseball uh, um, wanted an Otani situation um, that ended up like the Braves or whoever signed him had to be – like whoever signs him is going to get investigated. Like the minute Otani signs someone, they're opening an investigation just to find out what happened. Um, but I think Major League Baseball does not want the embarrassment of this potential two-way star who could come over and, you know, depending on how good he is, he could revolutionize the game to have that tainted by the team that signed him had to get fired, the GM who signed him, and, you know, potentially they had to declare him a free agent. Like that, Major League Baseball has no interest in that happening. And I don't think that the Braves, the harshness of the penalties, I think, is directly aimed at telling teams, if you screw around with Otani... You're fired, you're banned from baseball, everyone in your apartment's fired, don't do this. And I think Major League Baseball teams, at least with Otani, will probably pay heed to it. I think, like, the harshness of these penalties could probably dissuade people from being uh, as aggressive internationally for a while, and then 
you know, once another team gets away with it, then we'll start doing it again. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, you know, a way to, a way to not worry about Tony would just be giving him however much money. Yeah. That would be the easy thing to do is just pay the players what they're worth. Because right. I guess this is my one rant on this. It's like the reality is, like, it's not really costing Major League Baseball any more money. This whole argument isn't about cost reduction. It's about cost allocation. So, like, if you give Otani $200 million, that just means you go to the mediocre free agents and be like, I just gave Otani $200 million. I don't have as much money for you. But now, like, the Players Association, the agents, everyone knows, oh, you gave Otani $3 million. You've got $197 million you just saved. I'll take some of that. So if they just gave the better players the money they were deserved, then they would give the lesser money, lesser players less money, and everything would be just fine. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Cameron. Uh, I have a child to bathe. This, we've done this much later than usual, and you, I'm sure you have some sort of responsibility. Or have I have to go exercise my dog. Okay. All right. Well, you do that too. It's not a euphemism for something, I imagine. No, Cameron, I'm literally exercising my dog. <laughs> thank you for thank you for appearing on Fang. Oh wait, I, I say this. Your uh, obligation to Fangraphs Audio. Um, what do I say? Uh, obligation. You, f- to you fulfilled Audio. your obligation. You have fulfilled. It has yeah. been fulfilled. You have yeah. fulfilled it. Congratulations. Thank, thank you, you Dave not, Cameron. Thank you for not banning me for life from the podcast. No, I don't think so. I don't think we'll do that. All right, I will say this. Say that has been Dave Cameron, managing editor of Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.